fasten your seatbelt. I am taking you for the ride of your life. I'm going to show you what this car can really do. Are you ready? I am ready. Hang on. Okay. Here we go. Hold on to your butts. Go get him, kid. It might be a tumor. It's not a tumor. Not a tumor at all. If you're going to ask me, so you can go ahead and ask me what you're going to ask me. And my natural response could be to get offended. Hey, want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. All right, all right, all right. You're listening to the 30-something movie podcast. One movie each week. 30 years in the making. It's episode number 292 of the 30-something movie podcast. I've been stationed here for several days on my own. I have tried to write to my compadres, Pat and Bo, hoping that they would come join me at the outpost. And here they are tonight. Pat, Bo, how are you? I am good, John. How are you? I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I wanted to kind of kind of just get the vibe of the uh, Dances with Wolves, the, the kind of journal entry type intro to this whole thing and the fact that we basically are all quarantined in our own little abandoned outposts anyway. Mm-hmm. So. It is fitting, considering. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You uh, you did a really, really nice job with that, I was going to say. Thank you. Thank you. I, I worked really hard on that. I, I literally spent seconds. I the, the delivery was spot on. Thank you. Thank you. Bo, how are you doing, man? Doing well. Doing good. very well. Good. And yourself? Good. I'm good. good. Yeah. Well, just one day at a time in it right now. Yes. Oh, I am so glad that I watched so much Walking Dead years ago. <laughs> I'm I feel like I'm ready. Um, I feel like, you know, I, I didn't I didn't mess around with the the people who were going out and buying the toilet paper and the that kind of stuff. I don't mess around with that kind of stuff. I made sure that I had a couple of axes in the garage. Um, <laughs> you know, some other you know, heavy, we have uh, some cinder blocks in the backyard that we use this, uh, to kind of build up a little uh, vegetable garden uh, about a year ago. So I've got stuff that if I need to, I don't know, create obstacles or if I need to create some kind of like a, um, a home alone type contraptions to guard my house, then it's, I'm, I mean, we're there. So I feel like I'm, I'm really glad that I watched zombie movies because I feel like that's prepared me. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. I mean, it, toilet paper, that's ridiculous. Why things, why, why people are making a run on those kind of things when there are very clear, if you've been paying attention to the Hunger Games and, and Walking Dead and all these other shows, there are very clear items that you need to go get. Mm-hmm. So yep. that's all I'm going to say about that. I don't think toilet paper ever killed a, a zombie. Uh, no, not in any of the movies I've ever seen. Not yet. Yep. I'm not, not yet. There's a lot of zombie movies I haven't seen out there. I have not dredged to the bottom of netflix yet for those movies so but that might, could be happening there might be one somewhere yeah yeah night of the living three ply <laughs> yeah by the way uh i don't know what made me think of this you were talking about zombie movies you know my dad's uh we got my dad kind of uh, hunkered down in the bunker there and and uh you know making sure he's doing okay and everything and so he's checking out like i mean every single war movie and documentary and everything that he can find. Mm-hmm. And then uh, uh, my sister was like, well, hey, dad, you should check out Disney Plus because, you know, that's been really helping with the kids. And actually, I think we're going to finally bite the bullet and do it too. Yeah. Um, 
extraordinary times, you know, mm-hmm. but uh, it's funny because my dad's like, I mean, <laughs> I want to say that he's like, yeah, I think I'm going to check that out. And he got it like Saturday or Sunday. I don't know what day it is right now. Saturday or Sunday, whatever, a couple days ago, mm-hmm. he gets it. And uh, I'm like, dad, what is Disney Plus? And he goes, wow, there's like every Avengers movie available up there. I'm just, that's great. I'm catching up on that. And I've seen all the Star Wars and all that. And, wow, The Mandalorian. I watched it yesterday. I'm like, oh, really? How far did you get? No, I watched The Mandalorian yesterday. It's outstanding. <laughs> I'm like, oh, you know, that's outstanding. I that's, said, you know, that's one of the best eight hour movies I've ever seen. <laughs> exactly. That was it. And he's like, here's what I'll say. They sure, you know, and he, he launches in the whole thing. He didn't, not, no spoilers, but I mean, he was just launching into his review. And I'm like, dad, that's outstanding. And you know what? When I tell that story to everyone on the podcast, I'm having a feeling that suddenly hearing that story about my father will make me that much more understandable to my friends. Mm-hmm. So, Anyways, I was I was like that that brought a tear to my eye. I, I was quite proud of my father at that moment. Nice, nice. Yeah, I I haven't had a chance to get into it yet, but now that they've brought out there, they've started to bring out the episodes of the last season of Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. Um, I know John's been watching those, and he's been saying they're really good. Mm. Yeah, I haven't checked those out yet either. And now these are these are the ones that have not been released yet. These are the ones that you know when they canceled it a few years ago. They had ended with season six, I'm going to say, because that's, well, I'm, I'm going to say that. Um, and then they had a bunch of episodes that they hadn't quite finished yet that were still kind right. of in various levels of production. And I think season seven is a combination of um, some of those that the, it might be some new stuff, but it's also taking the ones that they hadn't. I think it's taking the ones they hadn't finished yet and finishing them and then putting oh, okay. those out as kind of a final season of the clone wars so i apparently it's been really good so far but i haven't had a chance to watch any of it yet yeah well i'm probably going to be getting some probably firing up the disney plus here because you know there we go (laughs) that's kind of what what's going to be happening until you know things change around and all that so that's what we've we've been taking advantage i've been signing up for all the ones that are kind of offering their like free month or they've extended normally it's the free seven-day trial and -hmm. a whole bunch of them are doing now free 30-day trials yeah. Okay. Um, to, to kind of help out in in the midst of all this, so there's a couple we've signed up for. I signed up. There's one called Acorn TV. That's a lot of British uh, mm-hmm. TV shows and movies, and so I signed up for that one. I think Sharon's been watching some stuff on there. Um, another one I signed up for was Shutter. It's a horror movie app. It's kind of like Netflix, but just horror movies and TV so TV shows. Okay. So okay, um, that one's been interesting. I I did I did have on uh, the other day had started one kind of back before you know the the heaviness of all this really kind of came down on us i started one a little while back and, and finished it a couple of days ago um have either of you seen the nicholas cage movie mandy Mm-mm. Mm-mm. oh i don't know how to describe this movie um um i well i sometimes i feel like there are certain movies that maybe they have a you have a very different experience if you see them um, I don't know, not sober. Oh, sure. And this one, I feel like just by watching the movie, you're going to get that feeling anyway. Okay. It's very strange. The first, I feel like the first half of the movie, maybe the first like 30, 40 minutes or so, it's just very, the pacing of it is very slow. Um, and it's a very strange seeming little movie. And then all of a sudden it just kind of picks up and, it becomes this revenge movie where Nicolas Cage is just going after all these people that have, you know, done him wrong. And, mm-hmm. um, it's, uh, 
take some of the most insane Nicolas Cage moments you can think of. And I feel like they tried to take those in this movie and say, you know what, how can we take those insane Nicolas Cage moments and increase the volume by about three? Mm-hmm. So it's, mm-hmm. it's kind of crazy. And I got to the end of the movie and I'm like, you know what? I don't know. Like there were parts where I was like, okay, this is like fun, weird, wacky Nicolas Cage stuff. But then I got to the end of the movie. And I'm just like, I don't, I'm not a hundred percent sure what I watched. And I don't know if I liked it. I know that I was somewhat entertained, but it's kind of a strange movie. It's it's a weird mixture of almost like an abstract art film mm-hmm. with kind of gory Nicolas Cage revenge. Interesting. Yeah. There is a moment, there was kind of a funny moment in the movie where um, he is kind of trying to like find and track down these people that have, you know, wronged him in some way i don't want to say what just in case you go see the movie but um there is a point at which it seems like it's all very super serious and he's you know sneaking up on this one person so he can kind of take them out and um and and the people he's trying to take out they're all supernatural kind of in some way so you kind of feel like he might have the disadvantage um okay but there's a point at which and it seems super serious and everything and, and something happens where the the villain um rips his shirt and in this weird, crazy, maniacal Nicolas Cage voice, he starts just attacking the guy, screaming, you tore my shirt, you tore my shirt, and just screaming it over and over again. And I just started laughing because I didn't know what else to do. Mm-hmm. I was like, I, I just, I, this is kind of funny, but I, it, had, it had moments of if Ash versus Evil Dead was a show where you weren't sure if you were supposed to laugh at it or not. <laughs> that would be this. It kind of has feelings like that. Okay. To which, let me pivot for a moment before we get into Dances with Wolves. I had completely forgotten that I had that I had neglected to watch the final season of Ash vs. Evil Dead. Oh, really? I don't know how I did that. I, I feel like, you know what, I feel like we had stars at one point because it was on stars. I feel like we had a trial of stars at one point, and I had gone through the first two seasons, and then it was going to be a while until the third season came out, and then I forgot about it for the next time around when we picked up a, you know, a, a month or two of stars again so we could watch Outlander. Um, and I think I just forgot about it. And so I was looking through something might have been on Netflix. I was looking on Netflix and now they have all three seasons of Ash versus Evil Dead. And I was like, wait a minute, three seasons. I have not watched a third season. So I, you know, started watching that. And so I'm, I'm back in yeah, Happy Land, and just very sad that it does not have more than three seasons. Yeah, I've got to um, I got to I got to figure that out because I, I, I don't know how far I've gotten in Ash versus Evil Dead. Um, one, maybe two seasons, but I got to watch and see for when the fourth season of, um, the good place comes out mm-hmm. and I'm keeping my eye open for, you know, when the next flash season comes on to Netflix. And I'll tell you now I got hooked into, uh, Gar- legends of tomorrow. And that show has just been really fun to watch. Right. So, I mean, it's like somehow I jump from like, I've got a show that I watched to like six that I'm juggling. So. Would you would would you say for Ash versus Evil Dead if you're in season two? Would you say you're on the back end of season two? <laughs> the back end of season mm-hmm. two. <laughs> yeah, I mm-hmm. think I'm in the back end of season two. Right. Okay, I'm, right. I'm, I'm, you've, I'm you've in, gotten you gotten in, past that point. I, I I think so. Okay. I I I can't tell. I think I know what you're driving at, but I can't uh-huh. tell whether that's the innuendo. And I should say I'm in the back half of season two. I'm in the back half. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yes, that was it. Okay, that's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I see. I don't know if I just jumped to that because you told me about it, uh-huh. or if I've watched up to that far. Okay. I, I don't know. I don't know. Oh, I really enjoy that show. 
I love that show. No. Ah. Tammy will watch that show with me. I was, mm-hmm. I can't get her to watch stranger things. I can't, I'm really? trying so hard. Like, okay. she, and, and, and I'm like, you've got to check, but some, and she's like, Oh, well, and so she watches it and she checks it out and just like, we fall out of it right when she, you know, but somehow she sat down and watched Ash versus evil dead, like three episodes of Ash versus evil dead with me. And then she didn't talk to me for a week, but I don't, <laughs> I, I don't get why I'm just like, you hung in there for three episodes. Why? And I don't know. Didn't force you to watch it. I I didn't, but I I got in trouble. Yeah, yeah. So that's all right. If if you need somebody to socially distantly watch it with you, then let me know. Okay, that sounds good. All right. Well, I I, I was going to jump into movie news, but um, since the world has shut down. And there are no new movies coming out ever again. Um, that the world is collapsing, and there will be no new movies. And I just, you know what? As long as we can get to episode three hundred, whatever the world can do what it needs to do. After we get to episode three hundred, I'm not going to hype this thing up for months and then not get there. So Mm-mm. I will, we're getting there, John. I, I will defy if the world starts burning. You know, if this turns into the Genesis planet, I will stand there defiantly shaking my fist until we get to episode three hundred. I yes, mm-hmm. you will. So, and, and then we'll be, we'll be there to beam you off the planet surface and escape. Thank you. Thank you. I have had enough of you. Um, so we, that's not directed at any of you guys. Um, okay. yeah. that's, that's directed at quarantine and viruses and, and, yes. and, and the like. Um, mm-hmm. so no movie news other than to say, I just read an article this afternoon that said for the first time in history, the U S box office records zero revenue. <laughs> Which is just a sad, so. sad state of affairs that we're living in right now so that's that's where we're at is no movies no and i mean it's not like they don't already have money but i do feel bad for the filmmakers that are not the big studios um you know i this is this is going to be rough on movie theaters and i know that for a lot of people myself included if there's a movie that i really really am looking forward to i want to go see it in the theater i want to have that experience to see it in the theater and mm-hmm. um you know that's just something that's not that's actually not going to be my answer but one of our three questions for later on is what's something that you're missing right now because of all this mm-hmm. one of my answers was going to be if this goes on a whole lot longer movies in a movie theater because right. that's something that you know so okay. you, you can you can do your best home video setup but i just don't feel like it's it's going to be the same experience as going to the movie theater you mentioned movies in a movie theater mm-hmm. Has anyone, and I, I assume someone would have mentioned if they had done this, has anyone taken advantage of any of the $20 um, home cinema offerings from the streaming services? Not Between yet. Comcast and Amazon, at least, there's three or four movies that the studios have released right straight from theaters to mm-hmm. rental. It's a $20 rental. Yeah, one mm-hmm. of them is a movie I really want to see. I'm just not sure I'm ready to spend twenty bucks to see it. I wasn't going to go see it in the theater anyway. I'm thinking that's the Invisible Man. Right. Yeah, I saw that one was coming out. I um, uh, I I have a buddy that uh, Jim Garbrecht with his uh, grandson. They watched uh, Upwards or Onward. Oh sure, yeah. Onward, yeah. It, yeah, Onward, and he was like, yeah, he and he was saying he's like, that's you know, just remarking that that was cool that the, the theaters are doing that mm-hmm. and everything like that. So. It's just, I, I, you know, 20 bucks, I don't know. I have yeah. access to so much entertainment already. It's really hard right. to mm-hmm. push that button. Right. Um, right. 
but it has yet to happen to a movie that I would have paid the money to, to go to a theater. Like I, I definitely spend my theater money sparingly mm-hmm. because I have a decent setup at home and I like mm-hmm. watching movies at home and whatnot. Right. Um, so I, I'm just, I'm waiting for that movie where I go, you know, if we went and saw it, we'd spend 20 bucks. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. why am I worried about spending 20 bucks at home? But it just feels wrong. Right. <laughs> right. Well, and I, I feel like most of those movies that we would feel that way about, they are, instead of bringing them out on streaming, I feel like they're, they're saying, well, we're postponing this till the fall or we're postponing well, for, this. But that's the thing for now. Right. Right. At some point, they're not going to be able to postpone anymore. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, then I think you, I, I, I think then you convert your 4DX or whatever they call the theaters. I think you convert those so that they look like um, the uh, plastic tunnels that are set up between the houses in ET. Oh, there you go. And I, I think you just have a little, I think you have a little booth. And instead of like the reclining chair and the, all the other stuff, I think you have a little booth that you go, they're all box seats. Um, mm-hmm. You know that you go, uh, you go watch the movie, and when you go see it, and maybe that's what you we can do. watch movies know. like Bubble Boy. Basically, yeah. yes. Yeah. Yes. You go from the AMC A list to the AMC Bubble Boy list. Mm-hmm. I, you know, it, strange things are afoot at the Circle K, gentlemen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's true. Well, should we go back to a simpler time? Yes. The simpler. year. The sure. year was 1990. Or- Yep. It was no disease. No, right, well, I mean, there might have been, but as far as we know, there's <laughs> there's always something. Um, Kevin, you're such a disease. <laughs> <laughs> there's no disease, but Pat Sajak had a late night TV show. Um, mm-hmm. So <laughs> yes, so this month in 1990, so we're looking at April of 1990. The top news for this month, actually, that's one of the top news items. Um, but April 8th, the TV series Twin Peaks premieres on abc uh i never did watch twin peaks i know i think my dad was a big uh, fan uh, of twin peaks back in the day i watched a tv show <laughs> but then never saw the f- movie that culminated it all okay and i realized how ridiculous that sounds okay <laughs> it was it was one of the first at least in my experience it was one of the first tv shows that was willing to just mess with you to mess with you Mm-hmm. And it's it's either one of the first shows that had such a tight plan from the beginning they were able to throw you off all the way through, or they had no plan and just did what they wanted, which is why it's so messed up. Yeah. And I don't know that I've ever um, uh, figured out which of those it was, mm-hmm. but solid TV for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it was, yeah, it just, it was never really one that was on my radar. I know my dad watched it, but it just, it was not something that, you know, really, really ever popped up uh, for me. And I think part of it too is as I got older and as I watched David Lynch movies and I was like, nah, I don't know that his style is my style. Um, So, you know, I think that's where I never really went back to it. Wasn't there a revival just a few years ago? Yeah, there was something, like a miniseries or something. Yeah. 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 Um, all right. So then other than that, we've got the, oh, so April 13th, the last episode of Pat Sajak's late night TV show aired on CBS. 
um, on a, apparently being a, a, a Wheel of Fortune host did not necessarily translate into um, a successful late night TV show. You don't say. One of my personal favorites from this era started on April 15th. It premiered on Fox on April 15th in Living Color. Mm-hmm. Nice. I love that show. Love that show. Homie, don't play that game. Homie, love, don't play that. But I love that show. That was, I mean, that was that was appointment television for us. Enter number one. Um, that was appointment television for us. Like I remember, I yeah, I just I remember watching that every time it came on, and just hilarious. Loved it. Uh, April twenty fifth, the Hubble Space Telescope is placed into orbit. Hey, all right. So there we go. Uh, people that were born, um, and I will, I will, I'm going to put this up front here and I'm going to say that I, I apologize for this up front. I should know better. Actually, both of the people that I have listed in our births for April of 1990, there was a time in the past where I completely confused the two people just because I thought they looked fairly similar. I know better now and I, okay. I freely apologize for that. Um, April 9th uh, of 1990, Kristen Stewart from the Twilight movies was born. Okay. And April 15th, Emma Watson from the Harry Potter movies was born. Okay. I, I, in the past, I felt like they had a similar look to them, so sometimes I would get them confused. I know better now. I apologize. Mea culpa. Mm. So, uh, deaths. April 14th, Peter Dunn from the movie Invaders from Mars. Um, April 15th, Henry Kendrick from the movie Raising Arizona. I think he played one of the FBI officers. April 15th, Greta Garbo. Um, had passed away in 1990 and April 20th, Alex McCrindle who played general Jan Dodonna in the original star Wars movie had passed away in 1990 Okay. top sports. And I remember watching this one. I did not watch it on pay-per-view, but it was one that I must've checked out from blockbuster or wherever religiously, uh, April 1st of 1990 WrestleMania six took place. Mm, there you go. And it was the ultimate warrior beat Hulk Hogan for the WWF heavyweight and intercontinental titles. There it is. And I remember that because when we used to go, I was that kid that when we used to go to the video store, people wanted to pick up movies and they wanted to pick up a video game. And sure, I did too. But I was the kid that religiously would go over to the section that had all of the SummerSlam and WrestleMania VHS tapes. And somehow I would always need to pick up one of those each time we went. So that was my way. That was back when I was in the clutches of Hulkamania. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's Hulkamania brother. It's, it's going to run wild on you. Uh, top it's... book, this top book this time around is the born ultimatum by Robert Ludlum and September by Rosamund Pilcher. The top movies were for the first, I think four weekends in April of 1990 was teenage mutant Ninja turtles. All right. There and you I go. Can't wait till we get to that one. Cause that one, I vividly remember going to see that one in the theater when I was a kid. Oh, great flick. 122 and an 8? Mm-hmm. Where's 122 and an 8? Mm-hmm. You're standing You're on it, dude. Standing on it, dude. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, we had. I remember when we went to the theater, there was outside the theater, somebody had created a replica of the Turtles van. Oh, had, nice. And that was parked outside the theater, and then they were having turtle races outside That's... the theater. While, so kids, while you were waiting in line to get into the theater, you could watch the turtle races and you could take pictures next to the turtle van. That's outstanding. It was very cool. Uh, the other top movie uh, the last weekend in April of 1990 was Pretty Woman. 
And then we have, let's see, the top songs. So we had three top songs uh, over the course of the month in April of 1990. On April 7th, the top song was Love Will Lead You Back by Taylor Dane. Mm. On April 14th, it was I'll Be Your Everything by Tommy Page. And April 21st and April 28th, Nothing Compares to You by Sinead O'Connor. Huh. All right. So. All right. Well, are we ready to dance? Yes. Have you ever yes. danced with the wolves by the pale moonlight? Tatanka. Mm-hmm. Big, big Tatanka. Big Tatanka. Mm-hmm. All right. Our movie this time around is Dances with Wolves. It came out on the 21st of November, 1990, rated PG-13, with a runtime of three hours and one minute, unless you're Bo, and you watch the extended edition, which is, what did you say, three hours and 55 minutes? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Bo's Dance with Wolves was a long, slow dance with wolves. Twas. Mm-hmm. Twas. Uh, director was Kevin Costner, who also did The Postman and Open Range. Uh, producers on this one were Kevin Costner and Jim Wilson. They both produced The Bodyguard and Wyatt Earp. Writer on this one was Michael Blake. He actually wrote the novel and also wrote the screenplay. Uh, he died in 2015. His only other credit, I believe, for a motion picture was Stacy's Nights. Cinematography, cinematography, that would be the correct way to say that word, was done by Dean Semler, and he also did Mad Max 2, The Road Warrior, Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome, and Young Guns. Music was done by John Barry, who died in 2011. He did the James Bond movies, Somewhere in Time, and Chaplin. Budget was $22 million. Box office was $424.2 million. So it made a little bit of money. Actually, it made $424.2 million more than everything else made this last weekend. Uh, reviews for this one, Rotten Tomatoes, the critics give it an 83%. The audience gave it an 87%. IMDb gives it an 80 Letterbox gives it a 74 And CinemaScore gives it an A+. Uh, Kevin Costner played the Lieutenant Dunbar, or Dumbbear, however you want to say that. Um, he was also in Bull Durham, Field of Dreams, and Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Mary McDonald played Stands with a Fist. She was in Donnie Darko, Independence Day, and Battlestar Galactica. So the irony of this, before I go any further in the, in the cast, um, the other day I was like, you know what? It's been a rough day at work. I'm just going to put on a movie. I need to watch some stuff blow up. So I introduced the kids to Independence Day. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, I, just, I need to see some stuff blow up and maybe, you know, maybe particular buildings uh, I would like to see blow up right now. Um, but what was funny was watching that, watching Independence Day, and then I think it was maybe the next day we were watching this one, and I was like, wait a minute. That's the president's wife. And then in the back of my mind, I was like, wait a minute. She's also the president for Battlestar Galactica. Like, I hadn't made those connections just yet in my head. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so when I finally did, I was like, hold on a second. Oh, yeah, I knew that was her. Yeah. That one took me a moment. Uh, Graham Greene played Kicking Bird. Did it, was, in, was it weirder uh, for you when she disrobed that that? after that realization no okay just curious no (laughs) moving on um (laughs) graham green played kicking bird um he was in the green mile the tv show longmire and die hard with a vengeance and there were actually several people that were in longmire uh that were in this movie so Good to see some familiar but younger faces in this one. Yes, yes. Because um, his wife, and I, I, I'm going to completely forget what her character's name was and what the actress's name was, but his wife in this movie, um, she was also a medicine woman in Longmire, I believe. She was a few okay. episodes in that. Mm-hmm. And actually, I think she played, oh, you know what? So maybe 
No, no, no. Here, I've got her a little bit further down on our on our cast list here. Um, Tantu Cardinal is her name. And I think it was Black Shawl. And she was in Legends of the Fall. She was in Longmire. And she was in several episodes of Dr. Quinn, Medicine Woman. So, yeah. So, okay. I, I noticed there were several people that had been in Longmire. Really good show, if you haven't seen it. Cool. Rodney A. Grant played Wind in His Hair. He was in The Ghost of Mars, Wild Wild West, and The Doors. Floyd Red Crow Westerman played Ten Bears. Uh, Floyd Westerman died in 2007. He was also in Hidalgo, The X-Files, and Dharma and Greg. Robert Pastorelli, who died in 2004. Basically, from here on out in the cast, you, you don't want to be any of these people because they're all dead. Um, Robert Pastorelli died in 2004. He played Timmons. He was in Beverly Hills Cop 2 and Eraser. Charles Rocket died in 2005. He played Lieutenant Elgin. He was in Dumb and Dumber and Titan A.E. Mari Chaikin died in 2010. He played Major Fambro. He was in My Cousin Vinny and War Games. Jimmy Herman died in 2013. He played Stone Calf. He was in Reindeer Games and a TV series called North of 60. And Michael Spears, he actually made it out okay. Uh, Michael Spears was one of the younger kids. He played Otter, and he was in a movie called Yellow Rock and another one called Imprint. Here is the trailer for Dances with Wolves. We'll be back right after this. Just hear that you've been decorated, and they sent you here to be posted. Actually, sir, I'm here at my own request. Why? I've always wanted to see the frontier. You want to see the frontier? Yes, sir. Before it's gone. There ain't nothing here, Lieutenant. Everybody's run off or got killed. What about Indians? I just want to throw in uh, right now, something just popped up on my news feed. Patrick Stewart has made it a gift that uh, Picard is now available free for everybody for the next month. Really? Nice. Yeah. 
And yeah. it's been awesome, by the way. And yeah. That's, and that's when I canceled my subscription. To, I mean, you know, not not like a knee-jerk reaction, but that's actually the only reason I was still paying for CBS was because I haven't had a chance to watch that yet, but I want to watch it. I'm yeah. So good. And I hear he's doing like a virus thing. Like, like he reads from Shakespeare every day. He's been he, reading a sonnet every day. It's he awesome. Is. Those, those have been great. I, you know what? I'm just going to say like, like, uh, if we could throw that in for the new movie news, that's, that's pretty, that guy's pretty awesome. I'm just saying. Yeah. Well, we'll just throw it in right here. We'll just, yeah. Patrick Stewart is awesome. I, not that we needed to say that, but yeah, you could it, do that. It bears could, saying. It bears saying. Yeah. And you can do that uh, thing from, um, uh, Good morning, Vietnam. That I can't do it, but the you know news flash sound effect. Yeah, yeah. We're back. Here's the news. All the news is new and approved by the U.S. Army, the sweetest smelling army in the world. Great Britain recognized the island state of Singapore. See, you got you can't do that to me because you know I'm going to get started. <laughs> yes, this is like, and I think I've mentioned this before. This is like Eric Cartman from South Park. Anytime somebody would sing "Sailing Away" to him. And you have mm-hmm. to finish the entire song. It's the exact same thing. I know I've said that before. It's the exact same thing. You cannot get me started on that. Yes, I know. But you did. And here we are. Whether you watch the four-hour extravaganza or the three-hour extravaganza, how does this movie make you feel? Tired. <sighs> <laughs> Tired. No. Um, it's very long, but mm-hmm. it, it, it's a... It, mm. It's supposed to make you feel hopeful, and I think by the end it does. Okay. Is it Although is it hit, a bit of a is it a bit of a stretch for you to get there? But yeah, I mean it's one of those things. It's trying, but then they hit you with the gut punch at the end that thirteen years later all the Indians are driven off their land. Yeah, I. Um, it's funny, Bo. Uh, uh, you know, you mentioned that it. it now, were you being like it? You end. You feel like it ends hopeful, or you feel like well, it I doesn't. Feel like it, it wants to, and it tries to, because the army shows up and they're gone. Mm-hmm. But then they hit you with the, you know, the truth of the matter, and then thirteen years later, they were all driven off their land. And right, we kind of know how this particular story ends. Right, because I was going to say almost like I, I and. I enjoyed the the story as it unfolded. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I now I didn't watch it all in one sitting. And I mean, I don't mind epic movies and all that kind of thing. I, I kind of broke it up into a little mini series over the last couple of days. But, um, and so I just kind of, the whole thing just felt, it was just a beautiful story. And I, I felt like, and now I hope, uh, we're trying to go with the gut reaction. I found it, it, it was a beautiful story, but I felt like it ended sad. Do, do you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I felt like the end, and it was, but I think for the same reasons is because when it ended, it's like, y- y- there is no escape. You know what's going to happen next. I mean, y- you know, whether it's in the next 13 years or the next, you know, 13 hours they catch up with or however that works, you, you just kind of, you, you know where everything is driving to. Yeah, I think for me, for this one, it was, and I mentioned to Bo, I think before we started recording, I had not seen this movie before. Um, was this the, so Bo, you mentioned you've seen this one before. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Pat, had you seen this before? I had. Okay. Yes. All right. So this was my first time watching it. I, I'd seen bits and pieces. So there were scenes that I was like, oh, I recognize that. Like, I, I know, I knew that that was from Dances with Wolves. I've never actually sat down and watched every, the whole thing from beginning to end. 
Uh, and we did that the other night, uh, sat down and, and watched the whole thing from start to finish. And I will just say kind of initial impression, how does a movie make me feel? Um, and I don't know if, I, I think some of how I felt about the movie was maybe colored by current events in the real world is I'm watching this movie and I'm just going, wow, that's like, that's simple. Like that's a very simple life that whether it's him living by himself and just, you know, his doing his day-to-day thing and then meeting this group of people and just, you, you don't have, he doesn't seem to have as much of the trappings of hatred and bigotry as, you know, if he was in maybe a larger group of people, um, mm-hmm that he, you know, he's, he's a little apprehensive at first, but he's not opposed to getting to know these people. It doesn't seem like there's a, a big hurdle necessarily to that other than the language barrier. Um, mm-hmm. But it's just, it's, I, I felt that things were simple. And I think that, you know, if we had Dennis on this episode, he could, he could talk about little house on the prairie, but I kind of got that feeling with some of this was it's kind of, you know, I feel like right now with everything that's going on is things life should be, simple like we're having to get some stuff back back to basics here since everybody's kind of quarantined and and uh you know doing their own thing and mm-hmm. kind of having to prioritize like what's really important right now you know versus what we would normally do in our day-to-day lives in 2020 um mm-hmm. but i think in watching this movie at this time that's kind of part of what i got out of it was i thought you know what actually i i really like this i i like this feeling of simplicity and there's there's a lot of complexity to the movie and complexity to these relationships and to everything that's going on but at the same time i'm just part of me is just watching this and going i think i just want to go live in a hut on the plains somewhere Mm -hmm. right now because that would just seem to solve so many things Mm -hmm. so so i i really enjoyed it I, i think my my initial feeling is i love the simplicity of the life that i see in this and then when he goes to spend time with the lakota people um just in 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 some ways the simplicity of their lives that it's just some of it is very straightforward it's very much well we don't have all that other we don't do all that other stuff that you people do um we live this way because this is how we live and and this makes sense to us and it's just a very it seems to be very simple and and i think that's appealing right now Mm mm-hmm and, not, and when I say simple, I don't mean that to, to come across in any kind of a negative way or, or anything like that. I think it's just, um, I don't know. There's just something about it that's it's all very appealing. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the things about this movie that I thought was interesting was it was originally, because when, when Sharon and I were watching it, she said, was this a book first? And I said, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure it was a book first. And so I went to go look it up. And yes, it was a book first. Um, I think it was written the year before or maybe two years before it came out as a movie. But what I didn't realize was it was actually a screenplay before it was a book. And he was having trouble getting it sold as a screenplay. And it was Kevin Costner himself who said, hey, you know what? If you if you turn the screenplay into a book, then you might have a better chance of selling it as a movie. And so he's like, oh, OK, I'll do that then. Um, so he turned his screenplay into a book. And then I think as soon as it got published, people were like, oh, hey, this is this is a great story. This would make a great movie. We should turn this into a screenplay. And so then obviously it was finally published and finally picked up as a movie. And That's funny. Yeah. I think actually Kevin Costner himself purchased the rights to it because he wanted to, I think he enjoyed it so much. Um, I think he had worked on the writer's previous movie, that uh, Stacy's Knights movie um, mm-hmm. earlier in the 80s. And so I think he he wanted to 
uh, he had obviously read this ahead of time and he really wanted to make this movie. So I think he's probably the one that made sure the rights got purchased and, and things got greenlit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it just, in terms of the story, in terms of the, just the, the visuals of it too. It's just, it's, it's a beautiful movie. It's just beautifully shot. It is. It, it is. And you know, like the scenes, they really let the scenes sit. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like w- when you're watching something, you know, you're seeing these wonderfully beautiful lands, wonderfully beautifully set landscapes, but then like the scenes, they just kind of let them go on for a while. They, mm-hmm. they let you really kind of soak it all in and they don't rush anything. And I think that's nice too, is, you know, uh, you know, John, you mentioned that it seems like a simpler time. I just know it's, it's, a, it's a slower pace. Mm-hmm. Um, just the movie is slower paced. You know, it's not like, okay, here we're next. And now there's this, and now there's that. And now there's the other thing. And it's just, you know, you, you just, it's just slower paced. I'm, I'll, I'll keep it like that. And that's more relaxing to watch it as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think, too, you know, there's always the risk. There's always the risk of looking back in time and saying, oh, it'd be great to live in this time period. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Or I was a displaced person. I should really be living back into the, you know, and it kind of, you turn a blind eye to, you know, there were diseases back then. You know, they didn't quite have the same uh, sanitation that we have now. There were, you know, like there's, there's, you know, it's easy to look back on history with rose-colored glasses is my point. Oh, right. I think I, this, I, I want to no, live. No, let me, oh, yeah, go ahead. No, no. No, and I'm not, I, I just want to be careful. I, I don't want to interrupt you. I'm not, I'm not trying to like chastise you for your point. I totally agree with it. Oh, not at all. Yeah. Um, okay, good. I didn't want that to come across like that. But what I did, but what I want to say is that this movie really, I don't feel that this movie really whitewashes it. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I mean, they don't really, I mean, uh, at the, at the, at the risk of touching off another great 30 something movie podcast debate. I don't think it paints him as, you know, the, 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 the with the white savior narrative. Um, I think that it doesn't kind of gloss over what was really happening to the, um, you know, the native American indigenous peoples that were already living in this land as, as the westward expansion thing happened. Um, I, I think you kind of, I think they, I think they put it front and center. I think you really see exactly what was happening. Um, it, well, yeah, I, I, I'll leave it at that. I think you're really seeing those things. So I think, well, the movie does paint, you know, the, the, you know, like a, a simpler time or when, you know, groups of people lived a little bit more in balance with the land and you, you see him kind of, going out all those wonderful things you said i don't think the movie whitewashes it and gives you like a make pretend mm-hmm. do you know what i'm saying i think it right. does a pretty good job of saying and and here's the reality so i think we can watch it and i mean you can people can watch and enjoy but i think you can watch it and then realize yeah that there was there was some bad stuff you know i you know look at look at what happened here this this wasn't good you know Oh, absolutely. And, and, you know, for me, I, I want to live in that abandoned outpost, mm-hmm. but I also needed to have indoor plumbing and Wi-Fi. Yeah, <laughs> so, there it is. Right. 
you know, so I, I want the location, maybe not the time period necessarily. Um, I, I wouldn't mind the location there, but uh, yeah, no, that would, um, I'm, I'm all for that simpler life, but there's a few modern amenities that I, I feel like I would still need to just keep myself happy. Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting that you mentioned, and I, you know, obviously we don't have, we're not going to start a, a big debate about, you know, kind of the, the white savior narrative in, in some movies. Um, I always like to joke about that from when we did, was it Temple of Doom? Um, mm-hmm. But I, there was actually, oddly enough, when I was going through some of the different um, kind of like making of or behind the scenes or critical reaction to this movie, uh, there were a couple of either uh, movie critics or, or other folks that had brought that up. They had said, you know what, it's... Um, it, it tries to, it is still one of those narratives because he comes in and he saves the day, uh, even though it tries to show some of these other characters as um, the kind of quote unquote, and I'm using the, the author, I'm using the movie critics words, the noble savage characters um, mm-hmm. of, you know, Kicking Bird and, um, and the chief as being very, um, very sympathetic, but also, um, you know, very phenomenal people in their own right, not showing them as being less than the white character. Um, and I, I think a couple of the movie critics had said, you know what, that, that still doesn't excuse the fact that it's basically a, a white man coming in to save everybody. And like, I, I think you can, sure, if you want to look at it that way, if you want to read the movie that way, that's fine. Um, mm-hmm. I look at this as a movie that is kind of at its heart. A, I, I look at it as, and, and, and not to dumb anything down or not to oversimplify things, but I kind of look at it as more of like a buddy movie. Like mm-hmm. you, you have this guy, it, it's, it's, it almost has that sense of it's, it's a movie about friendship because, and I know that there's other themes and I know that historically there was other stuff that was going on that, that, you know, that very much simplifies the history of, of relationships between um, native peoples and and the white settlers and the soldiers and everything else but i felt like for this movie in particular it was really about that friendship between him and um uh kicking bird and then uh was it wind in his hair that was the Mm -hmm. other one's name yeah wind in his hair and i felt like that to me was one of the bigger themes of the movie was how he was learning about this group of people that he previously had no contact with at all and how they were learning a little bit about him. And then obviously by the end of the movie, that was probably one of my favorite scenes in the movie was you had had wind in his hair, get in his face earlier on in the movie and, and just shout at him. I'm not afraid of you. Do you see that? I'm not afraid of you. And then to echo that at the end of the movie where he's on top of the cliff shouting, do you see that I'm your friend? Do you see that, you know, I am mm-hmm. your best friend. And you know, that just kind of, to me, that was the, that was the theme of this movie was beyond any kind of, well, the white man had to come save, you know, the native peoples and the beyond any of that, it was friendship. It was a, a genuine, honest relationship between a group of people between, you know, these men who had befriended each other, even though they didn't know each other to begin with, um, you know, his relationship with stands with a fist, um, you know, to me, it was it was very much about the relationships and it was about the friendships. And yes, there's other stuff in there, but that's just I, for me watching the movie. That's that's not I don't take out of it any of the other maybe heavier stuff that you could possibly put on. Yeah, this movie. I guess. I mean, and I, boy, and I'm obviously not of the culture that should be commenting on this. But I mean, I, I, I would really like someone just to, you know, tell me exactly where I go wrong on this, but other than 
him pulling out the rifles to arm the village when the war party was away, what did he do to save them? I guess he, in the end, he left them because yeah. he, he would be hunted. But yeah, but it's not like he's like, okay, everybody, follow me. I'm going to take you to the the the. I'm gonna, I'm going to take you to the promised land. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, it was right. They were all leaving. I mean, and 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 it was that and. And and I, I want to say it was almost like they kind of saved him. Now, granted, I mean, I, I, boy, I, I I want to be very sensitive and 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 not offend anybody, uh, uh, which is always a good thing, you know. By just being blind, I, I don't want to like declare this from on high and you know, Canigale, you're just not getting it. So so seriously, if I'm if I'm missing an angle, I would I would love to hear that angle, but you know. This this should have been a little bit more, maybe an example of, you know, how things how things should have done should have been, you know. I mean, in history, I as opposed to like I don't I don't see it as whitewashed. I I, I don't know. I'm just not seeing how he. I'm not seeing how he saved them. Do you know what I'm saying? I mean, mm-hmm. that it was kind of like the complete opposite. I think I think where some of those criticisms come in, the evidence for those criticisms, if if that's what you're going to say, is I think it's that they were they were waiting for the buffalo to reappear, and he was the one that told them about it. I think there's a few different kind of pivotal moments that would have changed the trajectory of their people if he had not been the one to witness them. Now that doesn't mean that somebody else wouldn't have seen them at some point, but he is the one that comes riding into their camp. Uh, into their village and tells them the Buffalo were back, um, you know, and then he supplies them with the guns when they need it. He leaves at the end to save them. So I think if you're going to look at, and I'm not saying I agree with that criticism of it at all, but um, I think those would probably be the three pivotal moments in the movie where if you're looking at it, you say, well, you know what? Things would have worked out. Maybe would have worked out differently for them if he hadn't done those kind of three pivotal moments in the movie. Um, that's the only place where I can think of that, that that criticism might be coming in. Um, but, and whether it's naive or not, I just don't, you know, I I don't pick that up when I watch the movie. I, I watch the movie and I I guess I just get a much simpler feeling and a much simpler theme running through the movie than, you know, necessarily worrying about those type of things. And, and I, I don't, obviously, as you were saying, I don't want to belittle anybody that looks at this movie and says, well, I really, I really want to see authentic, you know, authentic representations of people. And I want to see authentic representations of how history really was. And I, and I get that. And and that's totally fine. Um, that's just not how I watch this movie. It's not, it's not to say it's not there, but that's just not what I got from it. Yeah. And, and, and again, I'm not, I'm not an expert, but I were, were all the representation, were all the examples of exchange between like uh, the native people living here and the white people that came in and said, were all of them acrimonious? I mean, were all of them ending in warfare and fighting and all that kind of stuff? Because I, I don't think so. I mean, you know, there was always, I mean, you saw at the end, you know, there were the, uh, I guess it would have been the Pawnee uh, nation were kind of allied with the, uh, um, the U.S. Army. Mm-hmm. You know, they were, their, they were their guides, you know, and it, it's like, <clears throat> It, you know, were there no examples of, of people getting along and, and being able to coexist? I, I, I mean, I don't know. So I guess it, in that sense, I mean, if we're going to ask, could this have happened? Maybe it, you know, it did not happen, but could it have happened? I, I don't think it was that far outside. And again, I mean, 
I get where I get the examples that the person, you know, is citing and saying, okay, well, he was the one to go writing in and tell him, oh, you know, um, you know, the Buffalo are coming, but it's not like he did something magical to cause the herds to come back. Mm -hmm. Do you, you get what I'm saying? Like, I mean, I guess, I guess, okay. It would have been the white savior if he was like, follow me, I will take you to the herds of Buffalo. I know where they are. And then he goes out there and drives them the Buffalo to like go by the, you know, I mean, it's like they would have discovered it either way. I mean, the Buffalo galloping through the land, I mean, make a swath on the ground and make a heck of a lot of noise. They would have heard. Now, now the, the one boy was it? I think it was Otter. Now he would have died had that buffalo not been shot by Kevin Costner. So, yeah, I, I'm just I, I'm just trying I'm trying to egg you on at this point. Okay, you're just trying to. Get, well, <laughs> I mean, I, I, you're not, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna like I'm not getting all like you know salty about it. But I'm just mm-hmm. like, well, I, it, it just seems a little superficial just to say, oh, well, we're we're tor- telling a story of, you know we're telling a story of like coexistence between, you know, uh, you know, the uh, native American people and, you know, a, a European, a, a white American that, Oh, well, he's the savior. I mean, I, I don't know. That just seems to be mm-hmm. a little bit of a stretch with this film. I mean, again, yeah. Okay. So he saved the kid's life. Well, but they saved his life by, you know, getting him. I mean, he was all chained up and they came to rescue him. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really, and I, I, I don't know. I, that seems a little, now. If you wanted to come at it and say, "All right, well, why can't we just tell a story of, you know, why can't we tell a story that's purely about uh, Native American people? Why does it have to have, um, you know, white actors and everything like?" And like, okay, I mean, if you want to have that discussion, you know, why why can't it just be about that? But I mean, I think it was, that was more of a, a state of where Hollywood is. And I mean, I think if you were going to try and do that now, yeah, you might be able to make a movie that is just about, um, just featuring Native American actors and actresses and doesn't involve that. But then the story has to be something different because this story was supposed to be about those interactions and how he was fi- found a way to coexist. But, you know, the rest of the population, the rest of the white popula- population, it didn't work, and they ended up getting pushed off their land. It, I, do you get what I'm saying? Like it's, mm-hmm. oh yeah, it's yeah. you know, yeah. And I, before we move on, there was something I was going to mention because I was reading this. Um, it's either on Wikipedia or one of the other spots that they, in terms of of trying to show accurate representations of the culture and the language and everything else. Um, I mean, apparently this movie does have, I think, a, a positive. Um, kind of a positive feeling from a lot of uh, American Indian, uh, Native American tribes, uh, that this is kind of a, a movie that I think, and I don't want to make a blanket statement and say they all love it, um, but I think that it, it seems like this is one of those movies that there's a real positive sense about this movie in in some of the some of the groups within that culture. Uh, I know that Kevin Costner was adopted into, I think he was officially adopted into the Sioux Nation tribe, um, as kind of an honorary member because of it. One of the funny things about this movie, and you, you talk a little bit about kind of accurate representations and things like that, the language coaches mm-hmm. that they had, uh, I don't know if any of you, if either of you had read this or not, but mm-hmm. the language coaches were, it was a woman. And there was only one or two of the actors that were on set that actually spoke the Lakota Sioux language. Mm-hmm. And as this woman was teaching the rest of the actors how to speak this language, um, 
she was teaching them, I guess the, um, I guess the Lakota language has a male language and a female language. So she was teaching mm-hmm. them all the words from the female side. Cause that's what she spoke and that's what she knew. And so I was reading something um, mm. that uh, somebody had gone to see the movie with a bunch of people who were from the Lakota nation uh, from the Lakota Sioux nation. And they were laughing because you had all these male Lakota characters that are speaking in the female gendered um, oh. Lakota language. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, that's learning from her. So that makes right. sense. Yeah. yeah. So that would make sense. But um, so, Bo, I was going to ask you kind of going back to your initial, you were, you seemed a little hesitant in your initial thoughts on this movie and how it makes you feel. And, and um, you know, that, that feeling of what this is trying to build towards and, and does it get there? Does it not get there? So in terms of this movie, what is it that, what does, what works for you in this movie? I don't want to say this movie doesn't work for you, but it sounded like you were a little hesitant kind of in your initial well, reaction so because i want it, it it sort of goes with some of the stuff you said like i want to be hopeful i want to feel hopeful about this movie but it does in the end you know in the end they, they still lost their land and they still you know all that stuff still happened um so it's hard i, I want to be happy when it's over because i like this movie Mm-hmm. But then I think about it a little more and I realize, eh, maybe uh, not so much, mm-hmm. I guess. is. So what, in terms of the rest of the movie, as you're watching the movie, what is it about this movie that works for you? Oh, a lot of what you guys have already hit on. Like, I don't need to, to cover all the same bases, but um, the relationships that he develops and the way they develop are great. Like the whole, with, you talked about how they taught a female version of the language. So, the teaching of the language to each other as they're mm-hmm. trying to communicate. I love that part. Um, when the two guys are laughing at him because he just danced with a wolf. Mm-hmm. Um, um, just all that stuff. I love, I love scenes like that in movies in general, like where, where they're, where they struggle at the beginning to try to understand each other. And, you know, true to form the way you know guys tend to uh understand what people what another guy is talking about when it comes down to meat or women mm-hmm. um, <laughs> true here too <laughs> um it's just uh, that part is great um what else works are you saying that that's what sums up our podcast those two things mm-hmm. I, I, I i didn't say that okay i mean i'm, I, I, I did not say I'm not necessarily disagreeing with you <laughs> I think if I think if you were able to go back and catalog the the entire text of a lot of our episodes, I think you get a lot of talk about food and a lot of talk from Pat about Monica Bellucci. So, yes, I, I kind of feel like you know maybe those two themes do very much sum up the podcast. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, when you when you put it like that, <laughs> um, yeah. So I think that's why it works so well so what does not work in this movie so i I think we've all said that there are definitely things we really like about this movie and and bo that might have kind of leaned into your like you want to be hopeful and and it just doesn't it doesn't that feeling doesn't come through for you but what is it about this movie that does not work for you is there anything that as you've watched this if you've watched this several times you're like ah it's that that one thing just doesn't work for me i I wouldn't say it's one thing Mm -hmm. But, um, well, like, eh, gosh, how do I say this? 
So the fact that he ends up at the outpost all by himself to begin with is a little bit tough for me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that, that whole, the whole scene when he shows up, gets his orders, the guy blows his own head off, you know, I'm trying to put it into words and I'm struggling for some reason tonight. It just stretches believability for me a lot. Mm-hmm. Why is the guy sending this? Like, you know, you're left with this feeling that he sent him off to this place and knew what he was doing. So he blew his brains out or he was just completely insane. and blew his brains out. In which case, why is anyone letting him send people anywhere? Right. <laughs> the, the, the order of events that brings that about is hard to, hard to process. Mm -hmm. I'll just jump in. I'll just jump in right away because that's mine too. It's like, it was the first, maybe like the first 10 to 15 minutes of the movie. Part of me was just like, you know, I I know that some of this is, is trying to be used for character development. And, and so that we understand who Kevin Costner's character is and what his background is. But I just don't feel like any of that's necessary. Like by the time the movie got going, it's like, I completely forgot. Like I, I know from what he's wearing, I can infer what his background is. I can infer what he's been going through lately and in other conversations and other things that are brought up, I, I can pick that up. I don't know that I needed that first 10 to 15 minutes of the movie. Yeah. So the, the whole first two, the first five minutes, seven or eight in my version is yeah. to set up that he's a war hero so he can pick his own assignment. And then he ends up on the planes. We could have just opened with him alone in the fort. He could have done a two minute voiceover and we would have been off to the race. Right. <laughs> like, I, I don't know. Yeah. And then the what else? The I'm not sure how and, and part of this could be a culture thing. I'll be the first to admit. I, I don't know if I buy the whole once the and I'm gonna forget the type of Indians, the warring ones. The pony. Right. Once the pony know he's there, are they really going to leave him alone? Probably not. Don't they know he's there at some point and then they just disappear for a little while? I don't know that the pony. It was my understanding the pony weren't there for him. That they no, were there. But- that they were there as, as just, it was kind of maybe as part of a regular, kind of a regular war between the two groups. Um, and that that was just kind of, and so maybe he was there to provide weapons because he had them. If he was close enough to catch the, to find the Buffalo that they then caught up to and the Pawnee were around, like how did the Pawnee not know there was somebody back at the fort? Maybe that's where I'm at. Yeah. Well, because don't they say, aren't they implying that the reason the, the men, the original group of soldiers weren't staying at the fort anymore is because they were hiding. Hmm. Yeah, isn't that she, the impression they give? Yeah, they were hiding from from the attacks, but you don't know. I, I mean, it, it depending. I mean, the Pawnee were coming to fight with the Sioux, and that was what the big battle was. So, I mean, if they were technically on, if that fort was supposed to be on like Sioux territory, mm, okay. you know what I'm saying? You know, like yeah, you never know. I just it's and, and maybe it's part of the same problem. We didn't really need the scene with the original staff of the fort either mm-hmm. 
because he could have just opened up and said, I arrived to find the fort abandoned. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's all we needed to hear. Right. Now, now let me, what was this? Now you said there's the scene with the original staff. Yeah. Did the, and then maybe it's longer. Again, I saw a version that was 54 minutes longer. So there's a scene where the original group of soldiers from the fort makes their decision to leave. Yeah. Okay. So that's, that's interesting. See, I watched the, I watched the version that was on the, um, uh, I, well, whatever. I watched the, the shorter version. Yeah. Right. Yeah, right. You, you okay, and I watched so, the theatrical. All one. right. Let me look up and see. Maybe that scene's not in that version. No, 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 it is. And here's, oh, okay. here's, and so here's the funny thing though. Um, for some reason, John, the version I was watching, um, didn't have any of the subtitles. Okay. Oh, okay. So and that so, is a thing with Dances with Wolves. There are versions of it that don't have them burned in properly. So here's an even weirder step. I watched mine on Plex. Okay. Okay. Because my brother had it. We we ended up finding it on Stars because we have a Stars subscription right now. Right. Okay. So did okay. So did Stars have the subtitles? It did. Yeah. So I had to go in on Plex. I had to turn on the captions. Mm-hmm to see the subtitles for the Indians. But when the captions were on, it wasn't captioned for the rest of the movie. It must be the way the digital files are created. Yeah. I wonder if the one you put in the folder behaves the same way. Well, so could be. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because like I said, the subtitle, and it's funny. Well, and I, and I don't want to like, der- I'll get to my point in a second. I don't want to completely derail this into the, into a, a, a no, tech discussion. Totally, this is totally interesting to me. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, no, that's okay. Well then, then I, then I don't mind because what's interesting oh, is gosh. in the folder, when I tried to watch this one directly out of the folder, it, um, it wouldn't let me, it says it doesn't recognize the format. And then I have to go oh. in and open it up using it's, you know, open it up using a different app and huh. then it converts okay. it so then it works. Now, one of the other movie that was in the folder, Red October, didn't have the problem. I could watch it directly out of the folder and all the subtitles appeared. That's weird. So, anyways, Bo, there's there's the little nugget for you to think about. But my Super point is well, so, that, that's that's like the so first time we is, tried to watch when we tried to watch Star Trek Discovery, we couldn't yeah. get the subtitles to work for the Klingon. So I'm just sitting there going, Well, I, I mean I I feel well, like they're upset about something, but I don't know what it is. <laughs> well, that's funny when we watched City of Angels. Yeah. Or wait, was it City of Angels? Uh it was um the, the one that City of Angels was based on. Yes. Uh it was Wings of Desire. Wings of Desire. Yeah, I didn't have subtitles for that one. So the whole movie I was watching, I'm like, okay, I, I think I can figure out what they're discussing mm-hmm. here. So anyways, what I had, anyways, there's there's the tech little nugget for you guys to enjoy. But what I did was I'm like, oh, you know, what am I going to do? So I found online, I found a script online, and I just would sit there with the script and read through, okay, this is what they're discussing, and then just watch. And oh, that worked that's out. Awesome. But then but then the point was the script was the complete script. So as I was scrolling through, I got to all those scenes we're talking about and I'm like, oh, that's oh. awesome. So like I, w- I had to stop the movie and then go, oh, wow, there's a scene and it describes like the original guys that were in the fort mm-hmm. and how they weren't all quite right in the head. No, and, they're like uh, living in caves and yeah, stuff. Yeah, and, and that, that was the caves that he found and he yeah. collapsed. Yeah, so it was funny. I kind of happened into all the deleted scenes on this whatever website that's had the original so script funny. as I was <laughs> reading to figure out what they were arguing about. Or discussing awesome. or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. On such a strange level. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Hmm. Interesting. 
Very interesting. So, Pat, is, is there anything for you, Pat, that doesn't work about this movie? Um, other than the subtitles. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but that, but that, but that led me into a, a a whole creative level of discovery. You know what? I I really I'm at a loss for saying what didn't work. I I found this movie. I found this movie really did work. Um, I have to be honest. I kind of bumped with the language that it was all the female language, not the male one. I noticed that <laughs> right away. What I, was... <laughs> I, I figured, I figured of, of any of us, I figured you would find, you would notice that. So. Yeah, I did. I don't, I don't write it when I was reading mm-hmm. because I, I, when I was, I just want you to know when I was reading the script, I actually learned the Sioux language okay. and no. Okay. So, um, Tatanka. it's, it's, yeah, it's, 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 uh, uh, you know, uh, nothing Patrick really singing did, rooster. That there it is. Yeah. <laughs> nothing didn't work for me. I, it really, and I mean, I, even I kind of, I kind of like got down with what this movie was trying to do. I've only seen the complete dances with wolves like maybe one or two other times. Um, but yeah, and sitting and watching this thing, it just it seemed to want to tell a complete story. And it really didn't care about taking the time, you know? So like I get, you know, I get what you're saying where, well, we could have trimmed this part out and all that. And I mean, I get what you're saying with that, but their vision was, nope, this is, this is the, this is the story we're telling. Sort of like when we visit my family up in Minnesota and and they'll sit there and tell a story and it might be about some thing or topic, but when the story starts, you're branched way the heck off over into another realm and then like, oh, but this is how it connects. Like you get the backstory and the story and the postscript. And that's kind of what, what this thing was. So I, nothing really nothing really didn't work for me. Mm-hmm. I mean, that buffalo, the buffalo hunt was, holy cow, that was, that was yeah. exciting. That yeah, was dramatic. Cool. That um, was very cool. The, the, the pictures, um, you know, the, 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 um, were epic. You know what I'm saying? Like the it it was just you know beautiful, beautiful setting. Um, you know, again, you know they, they there's some there's some things that they they don't quite cover, but I don't think they had to with this. I don't think it was within the purview of what this what this film was trying to convey, and that was you know the the friendship that they developed, and you know, the only thing that didn't work is, is kind of the real note is just the sadness that, you know, that we know how this ends mm-hmm. and I'm not, you know, it's, it's, it's hard. So, you know, then we got to stop this discussion and start the discussion of, you know, like, well, how do we go forward? You know, when you look at what the, a lot of the remnants of the native American uh, population that was here, kind of what happened. And, uh it's that, that, but I, I don't want to say that the movie didn't work because I think the movie kind of presents that in a manner that, Oh, wow. You get a little four cents epitaph at the end of this movie. I'm going to go pick up a couple of books and what really did happen with all that. Let me, let me go read more, let, you know? And I, I think if a movie can, I think if a movie makes you want to do that, then I think it's, you know, as far as his, history goes, I think it's accomplishing its, its number one mission. So yeah, I nothing didn't work for me. Okay. Yeah, sorry guys. No, you we don't apologize for that. Um, what about acting performances? What acting performance was your favorite in this movie? 
I will say I, I'm kind of torn between, I mean, one of the obvious answers is Kevin Costner because he did a great job in this movie. Right, I almost say exclude him and then look for the next one just because right. he's so much of the movie that it's hard not to say him. And let's be honest, this was his, this was his epic, you know, right. this was his mm-hmm. first epic. Right. This is what led him make the other ones. Yeah. <laughs> and can we say, can I say for a second that, you know, I heard an actor one time say, I don't have to, you know, actors don't have to be good at things. They just have to, look good while doing things mm-hmm. or so I, I think he had, he had a turn of phrase and it was it was tongue-in-cheek but can sure, I just but... I just watched Wyatt Earp last week and I'm just going to say between watching Wyatt Earp and this one and then not too long ago I rewatched the Untouchables mm, Kevin yeah. Costner looks really menacing when he's brandishing a gun at your face mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean I don't know why like I mean there's some dudes that like like, you know, like they, they may, you know, like if you watch like a John Wick movie, I mean, there's firearms sure. going all. I mean, dear Lord, there's lots of stuff going on there. But I mean, when, when, when Kevin Costner, uh, in, in the parlance of Tombstone jerk that, what was it? Smoke wagon or whatever, mm-hmm. when he gets in his face or, you know, yeah. when, when Kevin Costner, when Kevin Costner does that, it's scary, man. I mean, then they, they, they know it. I mean, that's gotta be a thing. Cause you look at the, uh, 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 the the cover of the Untouchables. That's basically what the cover of the Untouchables is. Him is his, he's got a he's got a um, he's got a gun at the cover and he's pointing it right at you. And then this one, you know, when the guy's like, he's like, I'm not unloading this gear. You know, the the one guy that was driving the the stagecoach, and all of a sudden he turns around and Kevin Costner's got the got the pistol right in his face. And uh, it's um. Uh, and Wyatt Earp, there were a lot of scenes with that too. So, I mean, yeah, that was something that struck me just watching a lot of Kevin Costner in the last uh, um, uh, week, couple of weeks is dang, when he, uh, when, when he pulls a gun and he's, he's brandishing it, as they say, it's uh, he, he's, he's quite a striking figure. I just rewatched. Untouchables I, I, now I need to go, I need to go check that out again. It's been a while. Yeah. I just rewatched Man of Steel like a few weeks ago, and I, I feel like had he pulled a gun on that tornado, Clark Kent's mm-hmm. dad would not have died. Would have been a very mm-hmm. different movie. Um, right. I think the tornado would have turned around and ran. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's pretty intense when he does that. So, mm-hmm. and I mean, so, he's a great actor too. But oh, absolutely, yeah. absolutely, absolutely. So, other than Kevin Costner, I think uh, for me, I, I was I was torn a little bit between. I think overall in the movie. Um, you know, for some of the some of the comedic moments, but some of the other moments in the in the relationship between the two of them, I think I would go Graham Greene, uh, who plays Kicking Bird. Fantastic. Um, you know, he is great in this movie. I mean, he's great. I, I loved his character in Longmire as well. But, you know, in this movie, he's great. Now, the other one that I would lean to because for me, I think overall in the movie, I would say Graham Greene, um, mm-hmm. Kicking Bird. For the moments that are the most pivotal and the ones that stand out where I can vividly, you know, even though I just watched this like a day ago or a couple of days ago, um, I would say the actor who played wind in his hair, um, Rodney Grant was his name because his moments in the movie, I think are more powerful. You know, there are mm-hmm. the times where he was the one that was completely opposed to bringing in Kevin Costner's character at all to letting Dunbar come into this, into this village at all into this tribe. And, then you have the moments where, you know, he's trying to get him to, to come gambling with them, to come have a drink, to tell another story, to, you know, 
he even has that kind of heart to heart at one point, like, you know, I really didn't like you. Like I had a lot of anger about you and you've kind of, you're, you're a good man. You've proven me wrong. And then you have that very iconic moment at the end where he is on top of the cliff shouting, you are my friend. And, and, uh, so I don't know. I think, I think overall in the movie, I would say Graham green, but for those moments that are very, very pivotal, very, um, emotional, I think Rodney Grant does a great job with that too. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Agreed. What about you, Bo? What are you gonna? What do you want to? What do you? Who do you want to show in there? Throw in there? I think he's still stuck on Stan? thinking about stands with a fist. Well, <laughs> no, I, I think. It's funny you say that, but I think Stands with a Fist is my answer. She, she does such a good job of playing someone who doesn't know, the, who knows the language just enough, but struggles with it. I mean, she struggles with it in the right places, and she does it very well. Um, and I think that's hard. It's got to be really hard to not know a language that you know. Um, I know I would have trouble doing it. Um, so that had to take a lot of work. So I think performance wise, and she's also got to, you know, fall in love with this guy. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. Now I did want to, before we jump into our three questions, I did want to say something real quick that I was almost going to have set up as one of our three questions. What is your favorite Kevin Costner movie where he teaches someone how to use uh, some type of a telescope or a, a binocular type device. Um, I'm, I'm watching this one and having not seen this movie from beginning to end before when he hands it off to, I think he's handing off to kicking bird to be able to it see the bird, yeah. yeah. It's like, I almost wanted kicking bird to like take out a, a spear or something and like start to poke at the air in front of it. Just like, um, uh, Morgan Freeman does in Robin hood. Yeah. Well, well actually Morgan Freeman has the telescope in Robin hood. Oh, that's right. Cause he hands it off to Kevin. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. How did your uneducated kind ever take Jerusalem? Right. Yeah. But I get what you're saying. And it's funny because I've kind of felt like Biff in the future, back to the future too. When that scene was happening, I was like, there's something vaguely familiar about all this. Mm -hmm. And I didn't even realize it till right now. It is almost the same scene from, from, uh, uh, Prince of Thieves. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this one would have come first, so Prince of Thieves would have been, and and maybe that was the thing. Maybe they were kind of paying a little bit of a little homage to um, Dances with Wolves with that one. Well, and if you listen closely to the way they did the accents, Prince of Thieves could almost, you know, function as a sequel to this one. That's true. I mean, really, I mean, he, Kevin Costner, really, maybe, maybe he's not the original Robin of Loxley. I mean, he has kind of a a slight, you know, southern accent in it no and british so, accent is all is that what you're saying <laughs> well yeah not really i mean yeah. you know so maybe what happens when he and stands with a fist wander off into the woods by some stretch of fate that's they end up in a okay it's just late at night and everything <laughs> sounds like a good idea but i'm, I'm saying yeah. you know well in robin hood he was from that american part of sherwood forest exactly i'm not yeah. saying i'm just saying yeah yeah, yeah. I, I got you i got you all right. Is there anything else we want to say about Dances with Wolves before we go on into our three questions? I feel like 
I feel like for a while I tore it apart, but I enjoy this movie. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not one I watch all the time because it is longer. Right. But, you know, I, I did enjoy it, watching it again, and I do enjoy it, and it is a beautiful movie. Yeah. I think sometimes we, we spend more time tearing movies down than we need to sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a, it's, it, and I don't want to say the birth of the epic because there were epic movies like back in the day, but this was like one of the first epics in the modern times, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, I would say it rebirthed the epic for sure. Right. Yeah. I think before this, people were afraid to make long movies. And I mean, heck, they made him cut this one down. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, well, everything yeah. before this, I mean, the last epic that you really get would have been like, what, Lawrence of Arabia? Maybe the Magnificent Seven could be, you know, would be considered like a, an epic if we're looking at Western. Yeah. Well, and I feel like this one would have started up. I mean, you had Young Guns and you had some of those other movies, but I kind of feel like this may have been the movie that let everybody know that it's okay to go ahead and start making Western movies again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that too. That because this one was so big, because I we, I know we talked about when we were doing the Young Guns uh, episodes, like maybe this is the start of the Western trend with movies in the 90s, because then you have so many great Westerns that came out in the 90s. But I do oh, kind of feel like, you know, Young Guns, yeah, those are fun movies, but I'm not sure that I see those starting a movement, whereas this one, this one was huge. This one won Academy Awards. Um, you know, mm-hmm. this is one I could see being the one that kind of catapults it into, hey, this would be a great genre of movie to start making again. And look what you can do with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, I think it's time for three questions. Are you gentlemen ready to answer some questions? Ready. Sure. Okay. You can feel free to answer them in whatever language you feel most comfortable speaking. He asks each traveler five questions. Three questions. Three questions. It's impossible to answer. It's impossible because you don't know the answer. Nobody could answer that question. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. All right, so our three questions this time around. Question number one, if you could befriend a wild animal, what animal would it be? You know, I'm thinking about this one, and I didn't want to go with the obvious wolf. But I, I fell into the same trap as you, I think. So, so I'm, so I'm going to force myself not to, and I'm going to say that a tiger would be super cool. Mm-hmm. That would be pretty awesome, man. Just because I think, you know, I, I don't know, big cats are cool. Yeah. So since since you mentioned a tiger, I'm going to take us off on a little bit of tangent because my sister told me about this. Um, Have you seen the documentary? I have not watched it, but my sister was trying to tell me about it. The uh, true crime documentary on Netflix, Netflix called Tiger King. Mm -mm. No. Okay. So supposedly uh, there is this, um, there's this documentary on Netflix called Tiger King. And the subtitle is murder, mayhem and madness. Yep. Yes, it is. I am looking at it right now. And and so the summary, I'm just going to read the summary straight from Wikipedia. Uh, The story centers around a big cat zoo and its flamboyant owner, uh, Joseph Maldonado Passage, a.k.a. Joe Exotic, purchased an Oklahoma horse farm in the 1990s. Eventually, the farm became a zoo with big cats, 
The story ends with a murder-for-hire plot initiated by Maldonado Passage. Along the way, the story brings in an eccentric cast of characters, including a former cocaine drug lord running a secret conservation facility. Um, Doc Antle and Carolyn Baskin all united in their connection to the world of big cats. So I, I think this is one of those things where my sister's like, did you see this? I saw this on Netflix. I have nothing to do for like the next, I don't know, month and a half. Right. And it was one of those that like, when you just go down the rabbit hole of the, like the true crime stuff that's on Netflix, you see, you find some pretty crazy stuff. Mm-hmm. That so, I don't know, as, is nuts. As, as soon as you mentioned tiger, I felt like I needed to mention that one. Well, and the, the little, the first, the little picture of the first episode is the dude with the cutest little tiger. Cub I could ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't, um, something tells me it doesn't end cute. No, no, I don't think I will show that one to my wife. I don't think. <laughs> no, probably not. Probably not. I don't think anything <laughs> happens to the tigers. I think it's. Oh, it better not. <laughs> no, I, I, I would imagine the murder for hire involves the humans. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, that's what I think. Yeah. Uh, Patrick, what about you? I don't know, man. I, um, I don't know. Friend of all animals. I, you know what? I think a gorilla be pretty cool. You know what I'm saying? I think that'd be pretty cool to like, you know, do that whole thing. Uh, uh, otherwise, I mean, you know what? I always, I think turtles are pretty cool. Maybe even like those big sea tortoises that just kind of like, you know, uh, get into the into the jet stream and move all over the place, and they just kind of do their thing. Especially if their mindset was like the turtles in Finding Nemo. You know, I know they wouldn't talk like you know uh, like that, but if if for, if if the way turtles operate, like if in turtle language they they were that version, like just the kind of chilled out dudes kind of turtles, I think that would be really cool. Um, so I, I guess that would be. Um, I guess that would be, I guess that would be the animals that, you know, uh, that I'd, I'd be into. Otherwise I just have to go and start taking like internet quiz kind of things. Like what's my totem? What's my spirit animal? What's your power animal? And all, yeah. yeah, exactly. And, um, I, I just spent all weekend trying to figure out what lightsaber color I'm supposed to have. So I just don't have the energy for any more online quizzes. Oh, now see, you're going to take us in a whole different kind of tangent. I know actually. What? Okay. What color? It, it was green. Okay. All right. Yeah. And it was, it was consistent. I took like five to 6,000 different quizzes and it all came out green. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. All right. One My. was blue. One was blue, but they okay. were, but I mean like one out of 10, you okay. know? So what about you, John? What'd you end up with? My, my lightsaber color. Is that what you're asking? Yeah. 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 Um, cause, cause now it's just turned into all about lightsabers. Um, right. I actually, well, see, I had a green one before and I, I chose green for very specific reasons. Um, but when we were at the comic book show this last time, I did decide because they had the, the same vendor was selling lightsabers again. Um, so I did decide that I was going to uh, maybe go with a different color and one that I always thought kind of looked fun, but it's not in any of the movies. Um, actually, I, I think it is now if, if that's the color I'm thinking of. Um, I actually went with an orange one. So. I know. I think I always thought Ray's at go. the end of Rise of Skywalker was yellow, but apparently people are saying now it's orange. Mm. So I don't know. Um, anyway, the orange one is supposed to represent, um, I believe it is uh, compassion and a commitment to diplomacy over violence and full um, allegiance to the dark, not the dark side, full allegiance to the light side of the force. So. All right, man. Well, uh, that is my, you. 
my lightsaber is a little bit more the the diplomacy, the peace, the you know, I've, I've got this here and I will chop off your hand if I absolutely have to, but I don't really want to. And I'm going to feel bad after I do it, too. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, you know, don't don't mess with me. OK. All right. So I also have a, I also have a green one. So if I need to go green, I can totally do that, too. Hey, man, you know what? Just make sure you don't do it on Thursday. Mm-hmm. What was your what's your what's your animal that you're so going like to be hanging out with? Yeah, I, actually, orange lightsaber. Before I do mine, I'm going to throw in, uh, Jeff actually texted. He knew he wasn't going to be on the episode tonight, so he texted some of the answers oh. to the the three questions here. Um, right. So Jeff said that his animal would be, he would befriend an Okapi. All right. So, like, all right, that's cool. Um, they're very, I like their, um, those aren't those the ones that look kind of like a cross between a horse and a, like the top part looks like a horse and then the, like their legs look like zebra legs. And then they have antlers. Yeah. Isn't that I, that one? I, I think so. I think that's what it is. Yeah. I think that's, that's that one. If, if I remember that one, that, that one's cool. That one's cool. Uh, for mine, I would say, um, well, I, I have a whole little poem to go along with mine. Then one day a lawman appeared with powers of hawk, wolf, puma, and bear, protector of peace, mystic man from afar, uh-huh. champion of justice. Marshall Brave Star. Nice. <laughs> Going the Brave Star route. That's Brave awesome. Brave Star. So, I, you know, I had four of them. No, actually, my animal, less intimidating than that, mine's a penguin. Oh, good oh, choice. Nice. If, if, good I was choice. Gonna, if I was going to befriend one, I mean, basically, I, I feel like sometimes I am just like a large human version of a penguin. I just, okay. I just kind of, I would very much like to just waddle through my day sometimes and just, I, I'm looking for that simpler life right now. And every time we go to Shed Aquarium, I'm always looking at the penguins. I'm just like, you know what, you guys, you, you got it pretty good. Yeah. You get to waddle around, you get to swim, you get to do all that stuff. And and then did you, did you see recently when they let them out? That's what I was just going to ask. Yes. Yeah. How cool is that? Yeah. And I heard that the one was enamored with the tropical fish. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they said he just kind of looked at him just like, good for him. Yeah. He's probably like, wow, I've no, I didn't know that this existed. Right. You know? And I feel like that's how I would like to go through my life. Yeah. So, so my, my real answer, I would like to go the Marshall Brave Star route, but my real answer is going to be a penguin. Yeah. Nice. You know, nobody at Marshall Brave Star is never going to be shouting that he's, you know, using the powers of the penguin, but yeah, you know, it, it is what it is. See, and now uh, I'm yeah. thinking like, now I'm thinking like, man, maybe I need a raven. Like those things are supposed to be like really smart or no, not a rape, like oh, a rape or a crow. That would be like a crow. Mm-hmm. You know, you just walk around with a crow on your shoulder. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sharon said hers would be some kind of a bird. It would be either like an owl or something like that. That mm-hmm. I think that'd be mm-hmm. kind of cool. Yeah. Um. All right. So question number two, if you had the opportunity to live among people of a different culture, where would you live? I got a lot of jokes running through my head right now, but I just don't know. I don't know. Not sure which one's appropriate enough to uh, say. I'm, <laughs> I'm just, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, but what about yourself? We're going to throw it to you. You're not taking well, the, been, you're, you're not taking the Ace Ventura 2 route, are you? <laughs> what are you talking to me or? Yeah. No, no, I was going to, I was going to make a, uh, no. I was, okay. You know. Um, I've been struggling with the definition of culture for this one. Mm-hmm. Um, but if, if time is not um, relevant, 
Time is not. Say, you can you can go other times if you want to. That I would say ancient Greece. Okay. Oh. Uh huh. But if 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 it's more recent than that, if it's supposed to be you know somewhat modern, I would probably go like an island culture, like um, the native Hawaiians or the or the Samoans. I like the chill factor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know. Well, that was my own child chose uh, the Roman Empire. So John, <laughs> John chose the Roman Empire. He's like, I just want to like have swords and stuff. Yeah. The question is, does he fancy himself the emperor or the uh, or the soldier? That's the question. I, I think as long as he got to use the sword, then mm. he he was going to be fine either way, which made me a, a little. As long worried. as he doesn't ask for a fiddle and start a fire, we're okay. Nope. Yeah, I'm. I'm well, he, did, you, he does. He does play the viola. So I see that's kind of where I was going. I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm also saying you want to be real careful with the emperors. I mean, like sometimes mm-hmm. don't right. they? They don't. I, uh, I. I. I hate to derail, but I'm checking out. It's an older podcast now. It's all been released, but it's the history of Rome. It's like a 300 part, 200 part podcast on like mm-hmm. just his, and uh, it's it's fascinating. But they're talking about all these emperors, and they go through a stretch, and boy, when they don't like those guys, man. And there was this one emperor, they said that like he was young and he was, you know, obviously he was just completely debauched and destroying the empire and people didn't like him. And he, he, he kind of knew that the end was near when he woke up and they said he was in the Royal palace or whatever. And like all the guards were gone and he Hmm. started to get a really bad feeling. So he tried to make a break for it and they chased him down. And then what was it? They, they chased him down and he tried to off himself before they could get their hands on him. And they actually nursed them back to health just so they could kill him slowly. <laughs> oh. I, mean, I don't know why I'm laughing at that, man. I shouldn't be laughing. But they caught the guy. He was trying and they're like, nope. And they saved his life just so that as soon as he was like better in a couple of days, then they could do it their way and make it last a month or mm-hmm. something like that. I mean, they really didn't like that guy. So uh, uh, I forget which emperor that was. I'm sorry. And I'm laughing. I shouldn't be laughing. But uh, anyways, Ancient Rome, I would just say, you know, I, make sure you're a beloved emperor. You and, know what I'm saying? And that's why I don't choose ancient Rome for my choice. <laughs> that's right. Because <laughs> you don't plan to be a beloved emperor? No. Uh-uh. Well, they had something called, they had something called, the, I think it was uh, the death of a thousand cuts or mm-hmm. something like that. And, uh, woof. You know, I've, <laughs> I've never heard of a Roman emperor, Sidious, but uh, I suppose it's possible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> I, yeah, there was just that one salad dude. <laughs> Who is Joan of Arc, Noah's wife? <laughs> All right, so John wants to live in ancient Rome. Okay. No, no, no. That, well, that's John Ezra. He wants to live John, in ancient Rome. Yeah. John Ezra. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Nora decided, she's she just a girl after my own heart. She's like, I want to live in Spain because they have Mexican food. And I said, well, hold on for a second. <laughs> That's Not awesome. Quite. And then she kind of caught herself. She's like, no, 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 wait a minute. Wait a minute. Never mind. Mexico, because they have Mexican food. Spain probably doesn't have Mexican food. And I said, well, they have Spanish food. It's two different countries, similar language, but I, I get what you're trying to tell me here. So uh, mm-hmm. so she amended that and and her reasoning was entirely for food. Okay. So, That's good thinking. Now, it probably didn't hurt that we had tacos for dinner tonight. So I'm, I'm mm-hmm. sure that was also influential in her decision making, but. Uh, mine is, and, and this is, maybe this is my current state of mind and, and, and maybe this is related to the sense of simplicity that I would just like to find in life. Um, there was a stretch of time and I think 
some of it stemmed from watching the movie Lost in Translation. Mm-hmm. There was a stretch of time where I was like, you know what? I... Rural Japanese culture seems to be very appealing to me. Um, you know, and particularly for a stretch of time, I don't know if it would today, but, um, you know, for a stretch of time, it just, there were just certain things about it. There's a very, some of the very ceremonial aspects, some of the, it just seemed, I'm, I'm using the word simple a lot tonight. Um, but mm-hmm. it, some of it just seemed very simple and very, in some ways, unencumbered by some of the other franticness of the world. Um, and not to say that like in a city like Tokyo, obviously you've got franticness and things like that, but I don't know. There were just certain things about, um, and that's why I say maybe rural Japanese culture um, that I would see in movies. And and having never been to Japan, obviously I, I, I've i seen it through movies. So I don't know if, you know, it would be a, an accurate representation, but there's just certain things about that that just for a stretch of time after seeing that movie, it, it very much appealed to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, you know, I'll tell you, I, um, uh, you know, if I could pick like a place and just the, I mean, I've made it no, no secret that, uh, I really loved, uh, being in Ireland and, uh, just that West coast of Ireland out, just have my cottage right on the coast. Uh, wow. I said that with like an upper peninsula accent out on the coast, coast, (laughs) out on the coast, um, of Ireland. Like I, I just think that would be, uh, um, pretty wonderful. And then, I mean, yeah, so that's pretty cool. I'll tell you, if I was going to look at a culture, though, one thing I've found fascinating is um, uh, there was a book called Born to Run that came out probably about 10 years now. Um, and it was about discovering this uh, tribe of, um, uh, well, and I, that tribe, might that might be a little bit of a, a dated term, but a, um, a nation of uh, Native Americans uh, they, they called it the Tarumara, but I've heard that it's actually, there's, you know, that that name might not be the most accurate in any event. They talked about this and they're like, um, running and traveling by foot is a big part of the, of, of, of who they are. And I did a little bit of research and I'm talking like, you know, day one of a 100 level college class research on it. And, uh, I want to do more, but just reading about just different native, um, American nations and, and groups that would travel by foot and run and all this kind of thing. And they would talk about that and say um, um, that so many of them, because, you know, way back, you know, it was the, it was, what was it? The land bridge where they would just be nomadic. And so they were always moving. Um, this was before the horse was introduced to uh, uh, North America, but they were always moving by foot and many times had to run um, and uh, uh, travel great distances at, you know, relatively high rates of speed. And it was interesting because as I was reading, like all the, all the different cultures, um, all the different cultures of um, Native Americans that I read about had some of that element into it. Yeah, they would have to, you know, when they were 15 or 16, they had to, you know, as a rite of passage that, you know, they had to travel a hundred miles in a, two days through the wilderness or, you know, just things like that. And so I, I have to research it more. But I, I just find that fascinating, and especially like that Taromara uh, Indian uh, or Native American um, uh, population. I think that would be I think that would be very uh, cool to uh, just kind of live and just you know see how they live and 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 do that because uh, I I like to run and uh, it it would just be cool to see that and and live that. 
if I could hang. I hope I could hang with it, but mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, it was while, while you were while you were talking about that, I looked it up real quick, and there were a couple of different articles on here talking about um, they. I don't know if that's what the name translates to, but the running people, um, mm-hmm. and then it was mentioning about how they can run up to four hundred miles in fifty hours. Mm-hmm. And I mm, okay, so just uh, full disclosure here: if you if you've listened to the podcast for some time, you know that Pat really is the only one of us here that does any amount of running. Mm-hmm. Well, Dennis. Dennis does too. Right, right. Yep, um, yep. So just even seeing that, just reading that sentence made me tired. <laughs> just the, the well, I think it would make the, me tired too. I'll tell you that. I know. It's, it's like the 400. But it's like, you know how sometimes they say it's when you see a ridiculous number, you just can't even fathom what that means. When you, when you see that like, you know, millions of people died for this and millions of then you see that number and you're just like i can't really even fathom what millions are but then when like three people die then you're like oh that's horrible that's you know we we react more to when it's a number that we can actually fathom and um and and i see that 400 miles in 50 hours and and i just look at that and i just go "Mm, no that would not be that would not be the culture for me I'm, I'm glad it's a culture for you. Like I, that's, that's wonderful. But I look at that and I just go, I, that sentence just makes me want to take a nap. Cause that's, that's <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing. You know, and you wonder like, especially, you know, the first thing we think is like, you know, like, uh, like a track, like a sprint, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but you're, you're traversing over probably oh. not very tame, and like groomed terrain. No, so, you're, I mean, you're probably just talking about, you know, straight up whatever terrain is there. Yeah. And I mean, and running slash hiking hills, you know, I mean, it's, uh, I don't know, it's pretty exciting. So I would, mm-hmm. I would like to uh, check that out. And I know that, like I said, that they spoke a lot about that uh, group of people in um, um, Born to Run. And I want to say too, that they say that they've really maintained um, through that book, what they've been able to do is they actually got a race down there and they're, unfortunately, where this uh, Native American group lives, at least back, things obviously changed, but was it was in a very uh, war-torn, but because of the drug war, there were a lot of gangs and uh, drug trade and, and it was a very violent area and dangerous. And I know that, you know, they were trying to get that area kind of opened up and, you know, there was a race down there and there's been some um, interesting, colorful uh, characters that have come out. And like I said, it's all in that book. But, mm-hmm. you know, there was this um, uh, guy that actually did. He just needed to get away from his life, get away from it all. And he went down there and just basically lived out in the hills down, you know, in the Copper. I think it's the Copper Canyon, uh, right down pretty close to the border, I think down near Mexico and uh, possibly in Mexico. And he just kind of disappeared down there. And, and um, that was what this author uh, discovered when he wrote this book is, you know, he went and found this guy and then he found, um, you know, you know, studied about this group of native Americans and kind of, you know, that it's not like the group was lost. I mean, they always knew who they were and where they were, but kind of brought that a little bit more into the, the mainstream culture. So anyway, it's, I, I just think that could be pretty cool to, you know, to, to, uh, be in that culture. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, my other, my other option too, is Pat, you and I can be neighbors and I'll just go straight up Scotland. Like I'd, I'd be fine with that one too. Yeah. So yeah, we can, we can be next door neighbors. I, 
If it's not a Scottish, it's crap. Yeah. All right. Uh, Jeff also chimed in. I think his first, uh, the first part of his answer was maybe making fun of me. Uh, his first answer was, <laughs> oh no. Uh, his first answer was the South. But uh, I, I will accept that answer, Jeff, because that is a completely different culture and uh, that, that is acceptable. Mm. But he did follow that up by saying, I'm just kidding. Uh, for real, he said, I would say that I would want to live in a non-COVID infected Italy. Okay. So. Yeah. Um, yeah it's rough, rough. Well, rough times everywhere, but especially in Italy right now. Not, oh, uh, man. not, not a place, yeah. not a place you want to be and hope, hoping that things somehow miraculously or in a hope something gets figured out, especially for places like Italy and yeah. other places that are having such a rough time right now. Looking forward to good times ahead, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, question number three uh, related to the, um, our quarantine and everything else. Now that we're all stationed at abandoned outposts of our own, metaphorically speaking, uh, what do you miss most now that we've been quarantined for a while? Is there anything that you've reached the point you're like, you know what? I life has changed in this way and this is what I miss. It's uh, if you, I'm gonna say it, even though it's technically a week early. Mm-hmm. Baseball. Okay. I had tickets for next Sunday up in Milwaukee and oh. Monday at Wrigley Field, and I am just distraught that there is going to be no baseball. The fact that we are also doing a Kevin Costner movie, I I, I would have preferred if you had said it baseball yeah but my james earl jones doesn't do it justice so if you want to drop in the quote there feel free baseball (laughs) because believe me that's what's playing in my head Uh uh-huh when i say it yeah because yes that is what i miss yeah well and you i mean you you go to several baseball games throughout the year so i this is going to be kind of rough on you if things don't start up soon yeah i'm uh we've my brother and i have I think we figured it out the other day. It's been at least 15 years that we've gone to opening day together. I missed last year because opening day was rained out and I couldn't go the next day. And this year we're missing it because of Corona. Yeah. 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 Uh, Jeff, had, I'll, I'll read Jeff's here real quick. Jeff had responded and he said, the thing he misses is face-to-face social interaction. Quarantine is tough for extroverts. So we'll just, uh, Jeff, you won't hear this probably for, you know, another week or so, but we'll just say we, we love you, buddy. We miss you. And hopefully, yes, this all ends soon so that everybody can get back to doing our normal stuff and mm-hmm. interacting in person. And that, that's been the one thing is kind of the, you know, my, my sister also, um, you know, it's it's her and her dog in her apartment, and she's been told to work from home and, and everything else. And so I think she's just kind of itching to. She's the one that said, you know, I'll I'll run out and I'll get stuff for everybody. You know, some of the rest of our family that were in some of those uh, high risk groups. So I'll run out and get stuff. You just tell me what you need. And so she's just kind of looking for ways to get out and go do something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We miss you, Jeff. We'll see you soon. Yeah. Uh, mine, mine is going to seem kind of silly and some of my stuff hasn't happened yet. I was trying to think, you know, I, a decent portion of my job is kind of done through technology anyway. So I will say other than the working from home part, I mean, I do miss being able to work and, and talk with, with other people that are, you know, people that I work with, as opposed to trying to do it all over email and video conferencing and text message and all this other stuff. Um, 
but I, I think the the two things that are not necessarily something I'm missing right now, but if things stretch on for too much longer, I will, um, will be, we mentioned it earlier in the podcast, movies in the movie theater. Like That is going to be something that I'm going to start missing if this stretches on for longer than anybody wants it to or expects it to then not that I go to a ton of movies in the movie theater every year, but that is something that, you know, I occasionally that's something that that's my, that's kind of my stress reliever. Even if I have to go to a movie by myself, like that's my kind of way to just kind of get away from things and have a couple hours, sit in a movie theater, watch a movie, have some popcorn, you know, just enjoy that time. And so that'll be something that if this goes on for a a long stretch of time, uh, or if it fundamentally changes certain things that we do, in the near future, then I, that'll be something I miss. I did also read an article today that said uh, they are going to stop publishing um, physical copies of comic books. And I do still buy my comic books. I do still read my comic books. So, and I, I do like the physical copies over the di- digital. So that's going to be something that um, if that's going to be changing for a little stretch of time here, that'll be something else I'm going to miss. Mm-hmm. Face-to-face interaction too, but that was already taken. So I'm, yeah, I didn't, I didn't want to seem like the shallow nerd that's just sitting here going, um, I'm going to miss my comic books. And <laughs> Well, I think, I think it's, it's interesting because I think we all just miss the normalcy mm-hmm. and that it will all manifest itself in weird ways. You know, I, I think that's kind of a, a longing for that normalcy, you know, is, a, is, a, is, is another way of saying, is another way of letting concern, you know, and, and alarm and, uh, and uh, um, fear maybe is a little bit of a strong word, but let that bubble out, you know, you know, you're not necessarily running around, Oh, I got to pick up all the toilet paper in the world, you know, and all Mm -hmm. this kind of stuff. But it's just like a, Oh man, I just want to go to a baseball game or I just, I just want to pick up a comic book. I just, you know, it, I need a little bit of that normal day to day, a little bit of that, just something that just takes me out of dealing with something that is, uh, that is pretty big right mm-hmm. now. I mean, it's, it's, there's a little bit of a road ahead of yeah. the, for the world. So. Yeah. What was yours, Pat? Did you say yours? You know, I'll be honest with you. The hardest thing I get with this right now is just, um, you know, uh, the death and the suffering that's going on. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's, it's just, it's, uh, it's, it's a hard thing to see, you know, it's a hard thing to see. And, um, you know, I, uh, it's funny because I, I, I do enjoy watching Star Trek. And I think one of the big themes in that show is, you know, the idea that as, at least as far as earth goes, um, you know, they've got it figured out to where everyone can kind of coexist and they've found kind of a way to get to the end of disease and everyone, I already said it, you know, I mean, they, you know, it's kind of, they've got that all figured out. Mm-hmm. Um, then they hop in really cool ships and like head out in the galaxy and fight other bad people. But I mean, the point is that earth, <laughs> that, that earth is all, um, and that was, that was a little tongue in cheek. That's not the message of the show at all. Mm-hmm. I'm just making a bad joke, but I mean, uh, no, but earth is all set. And, you know, I look at that and I just, I really hope that, uh, um, that, that we can, that we can get to that. And without launching into, uh, you know, my feelings on the 
saying and all that, I, uh, you know, I just, uh, that's the hardest thing about this whole thing is just knowing that uh, there's people out there suffering and dying and, you know, it's, uh, it's all over the world. And mm-hmm. I guess in, in one sense, you know, it's scary. But then in the other sense is, hey, when they say we're all in it together, we're all I mean, we, we're kind of all in it together. We, we are and, literally all in it together. Yeah. And, um, you know, there's all sorts of different things being said and, and reactions and responses and all that. But, you know, this is something that can't be ducked or dodged or, you know, we have to just solve this problem. So anyways, I'm just kind of rambling. But to your, to your question number three, I would say that's the hardest thing that I miss with this uh, uh, situation we're in is just knowing, um, you know, that there's such widespread suffering and death. And, uh, but even that, that's not simple to say, because I mean, not on this scale, but I mean, there was suffering and death going on before that. Mm-hmm. So, right. you know, you know, it's, uh, I don't know. I'm getting, I'm kind of going a little bit deep on question number three, but that's I, the thing I that's suffer right. with. That's kind of what I suffer with the most, that's I would right. say. Hey, that's fine. Cause I mean, I, I don't know sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, if you want me to, if you want me to pull you out of the, the deepness of question three, um, when you said that this can't be ducked and dodged, I immediately in my brain, I'm thinking of the duck dodgers. Um, with uh, Porky Pig and Daffy Duck. <laughs> there it is. So that's where there my brain is. went. Totally nothing to do with the current crisis and infections. And everything. I'm thinking of Duck Dodgers. Yeah. Hey, you know what? You got to be able to laugh. Mm-hmm. Got to be able to laugh, man. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for this episode, Dances with Wolves. Um, I think that, uh, you know, I think as, as everybody said, this is obviously one of those iconic movies that if you have not watched it yet, this is a movie you need to go watch. Um, I'm not sure that Bo would recommend you go watch the four hour version, but um, no, I'm going to go ahead and say right now that the extra 54 minutes did not add much. (laughs) What do you think? What if, what if you had watched it like as a mini series, you split it over three nights, would that have helped or would that have made it? Yes. Okay. Although the biggest problem there is where would you take those breaks? Cause you'd have to, I guess there are some spots now when I think Mm -hmm. about it. I did some interesting reading after I finished it. I looked up what was added in the 54 minutes and it is a very interesting litany of things. Okay. You know, this scene is longer. This scene is this, there wasn't a whole lot of like large chunks, but there was a lot of, you know, this line was cut. And the most interesting part for me was some scenes were reordered. Really? Because when they edited them down to make it shorter, the scene didn't make sense where they originally wanted it. So it got moved. Hmm. Huh. It was a very strange read. Wow. Yeah, it was, wow. it was interesting. That's interesting. Well, if you share that link with us, I'll I'll put it up on our yeah, Twitter and I'll put it in the show notes and everything else. The, it was super interesting. Yeah. The way they made those decisions. Well, that's cool. All right. Well, as I said, that's going to do it for this episode. Uh, we are at 30podcast.com. 30 podcasts on most of the, the, the different um social media accounts out there. Uh, if you want to call into the voicemail line, if you've got something that you want to share about any of the movies that we've done or movies that we haven't done yet, our voicemail line is 872-356-6843. If you want to call into that, it goes straight through to voicemail. So you're not calling any of our phones and, and bothering any of us. Not that it'd be a bother right now anyway. So mm-hmm. we're all quarantined and people want to talk, I'm sure. So 
um, you know, feel free to give the, give us a call there and we'll be happy to play it on the show and, and respond in kind. Um, our next episodes, this is April. This is our action and adventure month. So uh, we started off with uh, Dances with Wolves. We are continuing next week with The Hunt for Red October. Oh. Followed up with Navy Seals. And then uh, episode number 295 at the end of the month will be Rocky Five. And then in Thousand. May, there we go. And then in May, we've got our comedy month. That'll be Joe versus the Volcano, My Blue Heaven, Another 48 Hours, Arachnophobia, and episode number 300 at the end of May. So that's what we got coming May. Mm-hmm. May will be May will be a good one. Maybe I mean April will be a good one too, but May is going to be another good one. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thank you for being here this evening. Right, this evening, this morning, how, whenever you're listening to this, but we're here this evening. So thank you, gentlemen, for being here with me. Thank, thank you, you John. John. And we will see you all back here next time for the Hunt for Red October. In the meantime, be excellent to each other. Go watch some good movies, and we'll see you back here next time.